0: What you are about to hear is a podcast from Bridge to Life Ministries of Spring Lake, Michigan. Your teachers are Don and Becky Smith, and this first session is from the 2019 Bridge to Life Couples Weekend. The focus, prioritizing your marriage.
1: Okay, so let's go to uh, the living room and... With the living room, here we're talking about the living room is a room where we develop relationships and are influenced and influence others. So I want to look at it in three places. One is our relationship with our spouse, our relationship uh, with um, friends, and a relationship with our children. And we'll uh, walk through this a little bit more here. But... um, First, with our spouse. I, I think of the verse in First Peter 3, 7. It's speaking to the husbands, but it says, Husbands, live with your wife, your wife in understanding. In other words, there's something about that I should be a student of my spouse. I should get to know them. And I think that applies husband or wife, that uh, we're called to take and really understand them. And to what degree do I take our our marriage relationship seriously where I want to know what's going on inside of Becky? Uh, Her past has a lot to do with our marriage relationship. My past has a lot to do with our marriage relationship. If I could just uh, share, because probably none of you have heard our story, and we won't give it all to you here, but just a couple things is... um, uh, I, I told you last night that my father never praised me, uh, but he never put me down or, or it was cruel in any way. But uh, also, he had this way of asking questions um, or making comments that somehow made me feel incompetent. Uh, <clears throat> I'll give you an example: <clears throat> uh, when we we started Breach to Life Ministries in 1983. And um, I soon realized that my Bible college education wasn't enough, that I needed some training in counseling, so I decided that uh, it would be good for me to uh, go to Grace Seminary in Indiana and take some uh, classes in counseling. And so um, I would travel down there once a week to take classes all day and come back and do Bridge to Life. But just before I started the classes, this is an example of what would happen between me and my dad. I said, Dad, by the way, I'm going to be going to Grace Seminary to um, to uh, work on my master's in counseling. And uh, my dad said, well, what kind of school is it? Have you checked it out? Are they conservative? Do they really believe the word? What kind of professors are they? Da-da-da. Yeah, Dad, I've checked it out. It's a good school, this, that, and the other. And... Um, then he says, "Well, how far is it there?" I said, "Well, it's about 175 miles one way." And uh, he said, "Well, what's the condition of your car?" And <clears throat> and I said, uh, "It's it's it's good." Literally, he said, "Do you change your oil regularly?" Yes, Dad, I do. Are your tires in good shape? Yeah, Dad, the tires are good. And. Um, he said, "Well, the winters kind of get uh, kind of bad in Michigan because he's in Arizona." Okay, so uh, he said, uh, "Winters kind of get bad in Michigan, don't they?" And I said, "Yeah, they can." And um, he said, "It would probably be good if you took and ha- make sure you carry a snow shovel with you in the winter time, and probably some flares in case you get stuck, and probably a blanket." Of course, this is before the time of cell phones, you know, so. Um, if you get stuck out there, you stay warm. Yeah, Dad. Okay, thank you. And hang up. How do you think I feel? Yeah. Inadequate, incompetent, like a little boy. Now, do you think that affects my relationship with Becky? Yeah. She would ta- I would take it as when she asks me questions or gives me a little advice, I take that as if she thinks I'm incompetent. And in, in the early part of our years, I, I would just get angry with her. Like, stop treating me that way.
2: And, and I would say, I'm just asking a question.
1: And, and, But literally, I was hearing my dad's voice through Becky with that message that you're incompetent here. And, and I can still get triggered at times with that. Uh, but, you know, it, it's the message from the past. And I would say, what message is from your past, come out um, through your spouse? How do you get triggered by your spouse? That there's something going on. And so we need to stop and take a look at our relationships with our spouse and begin to understand, study them. I am absolutely surprised how many times in counseling couples, I ask them to share their story and share uh, some things about how they feel. And the, the other spouse is dumbfounded like, I've never heard that before. Um, We just never took the time or thought it was worthwhile, I suppose. So what are some areas here? So communication is the first one I want to look at. Um, We talked about this a little bit, so I don't want to dwell much on it, but we text each other more than often, for some couples, text more than we actually talk to each other. And I would say... Uh, I, I know when we're not together, it's convenient and appropriate to text, but I would say save your more important things for face-to-face where we're really focusing on each other and um, uh, communicating, learning, to, and like I brought up before, can we repeat back what we heard because often we get the wrong message. The next point here is what I uh, call 50-50 partnership. Uh, This is a marriage where it's this is mine, this is yours. It's a his/her relationship. That's my car. That's her car. Uh, You know, sometimes we use that to describe, but we kind of get picky sometimes about um, how that is. Uh, But in reality, it's our car. Uh, Last year, we bought uh, our son's our our son who's a missionary in Guatemala. They were here. They bought a Honda Odyssey. And so they sold it to us at a very reasonable price before they returned to Guatemala. And um, so I told Becky, let's put it in your name, and that will be kind of your car. Because she often says, I get the good car, and she gets the old car, which has never happened, but she and thinks that.
2: that's not <laughs> true. That's a lie. Uh,
1: Josh, can you cut her... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Um So I said, okay, to show I have a good heart and I'm a loving husband, uh, we'll put this car, this the van in her name. And so you were happy about that, right?
2: Yes. Okay.
1: So, uh, so when it didn't start. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you're right, I. You know.
2: yeah. And he wasn't nice to my car either. He he hit the starter.
1: No, I bumped it. <laughs> he did. I thought not. the key was jarred in there. So no, I tapped he it. banged it. <laughs> Anyhow, she's she's picky about my how car. I use her car. Like uh, recently, I, I I had to we were going into traffic and I had to pull out, so I kind of gunned it. You know, kinda. Uh, <laughs> and. and <laughs> Very much on her part. And, and she said, don't treat my car this way. Go out easy, you know. Well, the reality is it's our car, okay? It belongs to both of us. So she's got a little work to do there, but it's our car. <laughs> uh, but how do we view things is, is uh, what we're trying to think. So when we look at a marriage as a 50-50 relationship, The problem with that, and often we say, well, it's a 50-50. You know, technically it's 100-100%. And when we think of it 50-50, what we begin to do is keep score. Yeah, Did you do your 50%? I did my 50%. And we begin to measure our spouse's efforts and energy in doing things. And we begin to think like, well, I'm not going to do that because they're not doing their part. And folks... Uh, that begins to deteriorate and, and really hurt our marriage relationship when we uh, begin to measure what we're putting into it. I want to give 100% because, one, I want to love in a, in a way God wants me to love, but also I want my love is not conditional. So I think the good question to ask is, do we look at as our, our, our love for one another as being conditional? next point here is ways that we let our pride get in the way. Um, how does our pride show up in our marriage relationship? So I listed a few things. If you want to jot them there, you can. Not necessary, but uh, one is keeping score, like I just said. Um, I, I think, why do we keep score? Because I want to make sure, um, you know, my pride is in the way. Is uh, Am I doing more than I have to? And I want to make sure it's fair Um, And the second one I put is, uh, we have to be right. It's amazing to me where I hear couples sometimes say, my spouse has never said, I'm sorry. And they've been married 20 or 30 years. Man, you've had to make a mistake someplace. But they cannot humble themselves to take and and to ask for forgiveness uh, and say they're sorry they have to be right all the time. And I'm sure it comes out of their story. We have to uh, get all the credit. Uh, in other words, when something is, as I, I, I have to be, um, get the credit for this. If I don't, I'm hurt. Another one is, we try to trump our spouse, outdo them, in the sense that, uh, you know, look what I did as if it's better than what you did. Another one where um, our pride gets in the way is pleasing people. We please people sometimes to uh, to the expense of our spouse. We're there for other people and trying to please them because, quote, we're people pleasers. But in reality, it, what it does for our relationship is it would make Becky feel second. And then I think there's also the issue of entitlement. Uh, in other words, I'm entitled to this. I should be able to get this or do that. Uh, you should uh, give in to what I want. We may not say it so boldly, but there's an there's a attitude of I'm entitled to certain things and you should um, give in to me. And then the last one I have is expectations. Uh, we have certain expectations as how things should go, and we're not happy campers if it doesn't go our way. My question is, how do you react when things don't go your way? And uh, I think it exposes a lot about, I think I know better what is best and how things should be, and our pride shows up. Um and then uh, the next one is uh, we should not drag our spouse into temptation. So I was doing some reading, and it sparked some thoughts in my mind. I'm curious what you think about it, and I'd invite your feedback on this in a few moments. But once, okay, first of all, we all struggle with temptations of some sort, subtle or obvious uh, there are there are things that uh, we struggle with, and my and so once we give into sin, you know, it begins to take over and, and it affects many areas, including our um, relationship. It often sin often multiplies in the sense that it gets out of our control. I think we think we can control it, but what happens is it just takes more control of us. If we allow it, and so my question is, how does that affect your spouse? Where you struggle in sin, and you might say, "But Don, I'm not doing anything sinful," Uh, but perhaps um, our attitudes um, can have a profound impact. So. Um. Let me read this. Sometimes we will fall. And when we do, uh, we're grateful for God's grace and his forgiveness. But one aspect of a temptation, particularly as it relates to marriage, is that we need to be especially careful about, uh, is it dragging our spouse into temptation? In other words, when I struggle with something, does it affect have an effect on Becky and I cause her to sin? How does my struggle affect Becky and cause her perhaps to sin? So here's one that I think comes up often. And I'm sure we could make a list and I'm, I'm going to ask you in a moment. But uh, the one that... Oh, uh, yeah, we're still here. Um, <clears throat> And that, that is uh, negative uh, comments or gossip is what I think um, comes to mind the most. If we are negative or a gossip, we will, draw, we will try to draw our spouse into speaking critical of others also. And we make them feel less thankful for the things that God's provided. I'll give you two examples. Um, in our church, um, I don't know what your church is like, so I, I may be stepping on toes here. I'm not one on on a lot of music. Becky loves music. She can go to her own church. Um, but um, I don't need a lot of music. It's like, let's get to the Word, and I'd like to study more. Uh, but there's something... Uh, we, we have a new guy that uh, is doing music in our church, and um, he's been for a little bit. Um, music has turned into 25 minutes of standing there singing songs. That's just way too much. It's ungodly, okay? <laughs> um it's just perception, of course. Remember? You can
2: go to your own church.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> no. So, so let's say, uh, because a few weeks ago, it did seem a little long. I usually don't say anything. And, and, and in the car, I, as soon as we get in the car, I just said, what did you think of the music today? You know? What, I, I wanted some affirmation as to my frustration, but you know, you realize what I'm doing. Maybe she thoroughly enjoyed the service, and God, she worshipped God in that. And with my negative comment in that way, causes her maybe to question that, or to feel bitter toward me. Or you, you understand what I'm trying to say? Is that I'm planting seeds of discord in such a way that rob her of enjoying worshiping in that situation. And um, so am, am I causing Becky to be tempted to struggle in ways that she shouldn't have to? The, the other one is, um, um, what was the other one? I don't know. Boy, I can't remember. I didn't take my pill this morning. Um, uh, I guess I'll have to move on. Oh, um, so if, if I'm negative or negativity, what do you think that does to Becky? It causes her to be negative too. And I think sometimes there's some of us who are just negative about everything. Nothing is right. Nothing can please us. And I would say, and those of you spouses that are here that have that, you know what I'm talking about. And that there's always something wrong with something. And I would say, I I think it's a sign that we're ungrateful for what God has provided. Some of us are kind of perfectionists. We kind of justify our feelings of um, why we have to critique everything but I would say I think it's a tool of Satan to not be content as Paul says he's learned to be content in all things and we're not being content and so it, when I'm not satisfied what does that do to my wife do I cause her to be tempted to be dissatisfied too my whole point is this is I don't know what your struggle or sin might be and I'm just using a simple one here but rather I think it takes and begins to drag my spouse down. I believe I will be responsible someday before the Lord as to how I have caused her to be tempted in certain ways because of my lack of not dealing with my stuff. We cannot accommodate sin without endangering our spouse. Your apathy toward dealing with your heart will have an effect on your spouse. Don't allow in your own soul that which would poison your spouse's soul. I just found that like, man, I, I don't want what I'm allowing in my soul to poison her. So it means I need to do some heart searching. Which brings us to the prayer. Lord, please show me what it means to be intimate with my spouse. Please give me patience and understanding. I lack wisdom and discernment in this part of my marriage. So please help me to be intimate with my spouse. And I believe the Lord will honor our prayers when we ask for wisdom according to James 1.5. And um, are we open to even praying about it? instead of just writing it off? Lord, would you take and show me where I'm discontent? Would you show me where I could cause Becky to stumble, to be tempted? Because I don't want to be a stumbling block for her. Uh, So here's what we're talking about, friendships. And much could be said, but I'm I'm thinking of it in the context of toxic friendships. In other words, friendships that can do harm to our marriage. And what might they be? And um, so... Uh, who are the people that we hang out with that we um, allow to influence us? And so I, I, I listed three things here. Bad friends who talk badly about their spouse. Um, can I just say, you, you, we just need to be careful. I'm not saying they're bad people. But the way that they begin to treat and speak about their spouse can make us callous toward the way we see and love our spouse, and it's comes up in counseling from time to time, where a spouse will say, "I am not comfortable with my husband or my wife's friend or friends because they don't honor marriage or they're having an affair, and it's you know, and this or that or the other, and." Uh, I don't want that to rub off on my spouse. I think there's legitimate concerns there. But um, the second one is bad friends who talk badly about your spouse. Now, for some of you, that might be fighting words. I'm going to defend my spouse. But I've also seen where, um, you know, your friend puts down, say, I'm making this part up, but say if one of my friends puts down Becky like, you know, Don, she's so controlling. You're going to let her keep treating you that way and this and that and begins to influence my attitude toward Becky, um, you know, I, I that person isn't good for me. And um, I, I need to evaluate um, that negative message that's being sent. yes. Yeah, so if I understand it correctly, just when your spouse listens to something someone else says, believes it, and blames you, attacks you with it, without really hearing the whole story and such. So, yeah, that would be difficult. So, number three is bad friends who always try to put uh, your fam- uh, ter- put you against your family or turn them against your family. By this, I'm, I'm simply saying um, a true friend will encourage you to be close to your spouse and children versus, you know, they're, they're controlling you too much or they won't let you do anything. Um, um, and if they're sending the message that they're, they're trying to pull you to themselves, uh, there's a problem there. I also wrote in my notes here, be careful what you share with others. Because I think some of us feel like we have a sounding board and we share things with our friend. And the result of that is, is that um, then they hold on to that. And they if, if I said to my guy friends, you know, Becky. This and here's what she did the other day. And my, maybe it's true, but just in the sense of me sharing it with it. What kind of picture do they get of Becky? And they begin to see her as is not a good person or such, and um, uh, that will affect uh, just how we will relate and uh, their their image of her. My, so I'm going to throw this in. When we teach our class, one of the things I share is that be careful what you share with your friends and family about your marriage. And, and I would say some of us perhaps share a lot or too much with our parents or family members. And when that happens... Um, and then you're really, so what the, what a family or friend member will do is they take your side in the situation. And then as you guys, as your marriage is struggling, they're going to encourage you, like, you shouldn't put up with that, or you should call an attorney, or you should do this or that. And the result of that is and then you say, well, I want to work on my marriage. You, maybe you want to work on your marriage, but you know what? They're hanging on to what you told them. Maybe you can forgive, but they can't. They have to do that individually. Just because you did doesn't mean they do. One of the biggest reasons, in my opinion, why marriages don't get back together is because of what has been shared with other people, and they have taken ownership of that. And you look like the fool to go back with the person that you've just trashed as your spouse. And it's like, um, why would you go back with Becky after all that she's done? I don't want to look stupid here. And uh, so I would say, just really be careful what you share, which means, so who or what do you share? And I would say, one, is I would find a friend, not probably a relative, who um, would keep confidentiality and who would not uh, gossip in any way. And they would love on you, pray for you, kick you in the pants if you need it they're not going to take your side on everything um, but uh, someone who you can really pour your heart out and they really care about you um, or else talk to a counselor or pastor or something like that but um, just be careful what we share yes I have let's talk about the children for just a moment And I'm I'm just going to focus on one aspect of the children here. Um, Much could be said about how we relate, but I want to point out something that uh, sometimes happens. It may have happened to some of you or is happening with some of your kids. But it's called uh, emotional enmeshment enmeshment, uh, triangulate. help me out with that word.
2: Triangulation. Yes.
1: Um, and so what what is it? Uh, it occurs when there's a breakdown in a marriage relationship and a child is brought in to fill the emotional void that's there. In other words, it's a situation where, say, a mother is uh, really disappointed with her husband. He's not... Involved emotionally, he's kind of uh, avoidant or he's got drinking problems, whatever. And the wife kind of, the mother um, of the child, uh, takes and just says, here's what a disappointment your dad is and uh, you won't be that way. And she kind of just shares all of her heartaches with her child, her son. What that kind of does is a son emotionally has to carry the load some of the load of the mother, which puts a huge responsibility on them. Or it might be where a father just feels distanced from his wife, and um, so he kind of uses his daughter for the emotional support and shares things with her, which not only damages this, the daughter, but what it does is it hinders the daughter-mother relationship because the mother feels alienated that the daughter is coming before her. And so not, not only are you hurting your own marriage, but you're hurting your child's relationship with the mother. And sometimes we don't even realize we're doing this. So essentially what's happened is rather than, than addressing the emptiness in the marriage, a husband or wife will turn to a child to meet the emotional needs that they should be meeting from their spouse. And so this triangula- triangulation is taking place here. The problem is, is, not only does it hinder the relationship with the parents of the child, but it, uh, research shows that it also creates hindrance for that child when they get married to attach to their spouse because they're carrying some of the emotional baggage of their parents. So can I just say, there may be some of you who had a parent who used you for their emotional support, um, and it, it's, it's probably done s- some significant uh, struggles for you, but I would also say, examine any of you, like how are we using our kids, what are we sharing with our kids, so that we don't take and cause damage and struggles for them. So that's the main point. Um, um, because of time, I'm not going to read these. I'll give you a couple of them. So what do we do about this? I should say something like that. First, I think we need to make our marriage the first priority. That uh, Becky and I and our relationship is going to come first. We're going to deal with things ourselves. I think the second one is: is our spouse. Is, if our spouse is not fully engaged in the marriage, under no circumstances will I ask my son or daughter to come, become an emotional surrogate for myself. Another: I'm not going to use my kids, no matter how bad our marriage is. Kids are to to be loved and launched, not used and abused, as one author put it. And so uh, I don't want my kids to struggle any more than they need to, so I don't want to use them. So any thoughts about uh, this room here for a moment? Yes.
0: I won't mention names or anything, but we know of a couple that just recently got divorced. and
1: Yeah. Kids pick up on that stuff very, very quickly. and uh, But, yeah, it does a lot of damage.
0: And after, after?
1: Yeah, putting that child in a very awkward, responsible position. Yeah. Uh, and I hear that a lot where one will say uh, something to the effect that, um, you know, Daddy's gone now, so you're the man of the house. And putting all that pressure on that child, so good, so do you want to stretch for just a moment here we've got uh, about 20 minutes to go but I don't know if you're going to fall asleep on me or not, so are you okay or do you want to stretch a minute good, okay we have
2: three sessions to
1: go. mm-hmm. yeah. so the next one here is uh, the bedroom and uh, <clears throat> So, if we were to invite God into our bedroom, um, what would that look like? And so, I want to cover and look at a few areas about um, what might need to be looked at. Nine? Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, So, uh, one is, what are we called to? We're called to take and be naked, physically, emotionally, spiritually, um, to be vulnerable, as we've talked about. And that's the way Adam and Eve's relationship. The more vulnerable we are, the safer we feel in the marriage relationship. So if we don't feel safe in the marriage relationship, it's really going to be difficult to to, uh, be able to open up vulnerably vulnerably and uh, uh, in reference to our sexual relationship. So so my question is, what are some threats to our intimacy? Uh, the first one here is identifying the hindrances in our marriage relationship. There's the verse in, in uh, Song of Solomon 2.15. It says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that r- ruin the vineyard, our vineyard that uh, are in blossom. And basically what, what the... Um, Uh, the the woman, the the wife here is saying is uh, she's asking her lover to take the initiative in solving problems that might have the potential of harming their relationship. It's not something that we just sit back passively and sometime when something happens we'll deal with it. But what she's really doing is say, let's take the initiative to make sure nothing hinders our relationship and our intimacy here, which raises a question, are we taking and being proactive in the way that we look at what could really hinder our marriage relationship and our sexual relationship? There are foxes, I believe, that really want to sneak in and destroy our intimacy. It's not a, a passive thing. Do we have the freedom to talk about the hindrances in our marriage relationship? By that I simply mean, is there freedom to say, hey, can, um, can we talk about something here?
0: What you're listening to is a podcast from Bridge to Life Ministries from their 2019 Couples Weekend. The focus is prioritizing your marriage. To learn more about the ministry, you can go to bridge to life.com. Now back to Don and Becky Smith.
1: I know earlier in our marriage, I was afraid to take and bring something up to Becky. If it wasn't something she brought up, I left it alone. Because I didn't want to create more issues. We got enough to deal with, not alone me bringing up something. But I began to learn that Becky trusts me more and feels more connected when I take and I take the initiative on things she can relax more because she feels like Don cares Don's pursuing Don's trying to deal with things that are involved would you agree?
2: yes
1: you want to say anything about that? no that's a vote for yes (laughs) so um, so the, the question is do I have the courage particularly as a husband but I think wives can bring things up, too. But uh, we don't want to bring it up in a nagging way, but simply to say, can I share a concern that I have?
2: Well, so, I, th- I do have something to say. It's too late. I'm, I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> uh, I think early in our years, you know, like you said, you were, you were afraid to bring it up um, because maybe how I would react or um, maybe I'd become critical or maybe I would get defensive, and early in our years, if he brought something up, um, I would cry, and um, then he would just back off. And after going through some counseling, you know, discovering that I used not—I'm not saying tears are bad, but in our relationship, out of my story in my relationship with my dad, and the criticism that he always was—he was critical. Um, I would take it personal and get defensive or what. So I realized that every time he would approach me to try to pursue some things, I would cry and he'd back off. And then I realized, so I had to go to him and say, even if I start to cry, I need you to push through, step up, step into it and address it so that we can deal with things. Otherwise, we never would deal with anything.
1: Um. So, uh, what happens when we don't deal with things? Write this, the uh, first reference down. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27.
2: It's probably in their notes.
1: Is it in their notes? Okay, it is.
2: On the next page. Yeah, okay.
1: Um, It says this, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. I believe it's talking about more than just anger and letting issues go down, but I think it's talking about anything we don't deal with. When we don't deal with things that are going on that need to be addressed, it gives Satan a foothold in our marriage relationship. Folks, that should be a motivation to take and say, we're going to start dealing with some stuff. Because if we we don't, Uh, Satan's going to use it. And I'm not for giving Satan any advantage at all in our marriage relationship. So therefore, I want to be proactive. I want to make sure that we're dealing with things and addressing them. So that leads to being proactive in our intimacy. Uh, uh, Sexual intimacy requires that we never give up working on it. Um, what does that mean? Um, a couple thoughts here. One is um, I think our sexual intimacy is one that's always growing, it's always one that uh, we should be uh, evaluating one uh, one of the things I ask sometimes teaching is when is the last time that the two of you talked about how you felt about your sexual relationship? I would say my experience in counseling is very seldom uh, one is uh, as one guy put it is uh, you know what um, i don't i don 't want to ask that question because I'm afraid of what she might say and it'll mess up the sex we are getting and I don't want to make it any worse. And um, I I think to to really have the freedom just to say, can we talk about our sexual relationship? Not to be critical, not to take and uh, beat you up with it, but I, I, you know, Beck and I have said, how do we feel about our sexual relationship? Where can we make improvements? Where can we take and be more sensitive to each other? How do I come across? Um, because, um, you know, truthfully, men and women look at sex differently in the sense that uh, for us guys, it's it's when we feel the need for uh, intimacy. For what? We're for what? We're breathing. Breathing, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and... Uh, she tends to resent that we breathe. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, yes. <laughs> So um, it, it's a problem. Um, but you know what? Uh, one of the things Becky and I learned is is that, the, and you've heard this in other places too, but um, I, I remember that in the morning... Before I'd go to work, maybe we'd have some spat or some disagreement or something, and, and like to me, when when it's over, it's over. And then that evening, I can come home and ask, you know, um, you know, can we be intimate this evening? And um, and she kind of looks at me, you know, you've seen the look up here, and uh, and it, it, it's like, and she says how can you be thinking about that? Well, I'm breathing. you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, and she says, don't you remember? Remember what? And she says... You had
2: a uh, memory problem even back then.
1: <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah, I should have had pills then, I guess. <laughs> so, and, and her thing is, is, we had a fight this morning, and it hasn't been resolved yet. Well, that was then, and it's over for me. For her, it's not over. You, you see, for, for a wife, it, it, it all blends together. It, it's not, for us guys, it's kind of segments. was the fight, and here's sex. Um, and for her, it just kind of all intertwines. <laughs> and uh, until she feels like that's resolved, until she feels like she's safe, can she really herself really allow herself to be vulnerable? And interact. And I think as husbands, we need to be much more uh, sensitive to where's our wife, how is she feeling. Um, Because you men want to have sex as well. So sex doesn't begin in the bedroom. Uh, It really is what is happening between the two of us as the day goes on. And uh, to what degree do we really understand each other? uh, i 'll say this real quick. There was a study that was done some years ago about wives who they they call it female sexual unresponsiveness wives who can uh, wives who cannot respond sexually or be uh, aroused by their husbands and uh, usually, a husband will say when it comes to counseling don you know can she get be fixed or uh, does she need to see a doctor is there some pill they can give her or something and uh What what the research showed was this, is that wives who are inhibited sexually, the majority of the time, it has to do with the makeup of the relationship. If they don't feel loved, if they don't feel cherished, uh, understood, we're kind of, I think, the three top ones, um, it it affects the way that they feel responsive in the marriage, or sexually. And uh, what they did in the research is when those things were addressed, the woman's or the wife's responsiveness significantly increased. So it's good to look at what's going on in our relationship. The second one here that I want to, is lack of uh, physical attraction for our spouse. Um, In a survey uh, that they found that half of, I found this very interesting, Of a 1,000 that were um, surveyed, half admitted to struggling with a lack of physical attraction for their spouse, which is significant, okay? And I would say that uh, as for some of us grow older, our bodies take new shapes and things change. But I would say um, it comes up from time to time. Where a couple will say Or a spouse will say That uh, they just no longer find their spouse attractive and, and if I'm understanding what you're saying correctly Like you can say that Because um, if i misunderstand, Please correct me But if, you can say that uh, she's attractive and such But if she doesn't believe it The words don't mean a lot Okay Um And and, and because I I would say, and I don't even know you good. Go ahead.
0: I just got pinched in the ear, never mind. I I saw that. (laughs) 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 I don't know why in church he pulls on my (laughs) ear. I said
2: because there are occasionally ulterior motives. I'm like, Uh.
1: yeah, no. That isn't going to work, right? (laughs) Yeah. Which, and you don't have to answer this, but is that the only time you say it? Okay. Okay. So. Ulterior motives. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Are you in another state? Do you have an open counseling session? Yeah. Okay, but ulterior motives it does play a big issue. Yeah. Um, so here's a few thoughts, real quick, about this. Um, how, how do we deal with it? And, and um, here's here's what I wrote down here. I I, I didn't put it in the PowerPoint, I guess, but um, our minds. The things that we give our time and thoughts and energy to is what will grow, while the things that we neglect, will, uh, neglect uh, to invest in will uh, cause more damage. So the more we fill our mind with junk, such as pornography, explicit movies, novels, or unrealistic expectations, will have an effect on how we view our spouse and uh, our sexual relationship and such. So I'm just simply raising it in the sense of what is going on inside of our mind? How are we visualizing what we desire in our spouse? We need to learn to discipline our minds, even in the face of our day-to-day struggles, whether there's lusts and and temptations and such but I, I need to be aware of how I can be tempted but I also believe that it's important what I focus on and I like the example in Song of Solomon and it's this the um the way that the couple spends time concentrating on each other, the good in each other, is what is focused on. And how often do you focus on the good in your spouse? No, are they perfect? Do they have it all together, this, that, and the other? But what do you dwell on? And what you dwell on is what you're going to begin to believe and control you. In Probe- or in Song of Solomon, both the lovers... The lover and the lover spend verse after verse going back and forth simply describing in detail the things that they love about each other. I found that interesting as I went back and looked at some things. And so where am I taking and focusing on uh, things that I really enjoy about Becky? The second area here I just want to bring up and then we'll close this is our heart. The best thing that we can do for our sexual relationship is to get our heart right. Sometimes in marriage, a lack of attraction has absolutely nothing to do with the person standing before you, and it has everything to do with our heart. So what might be some of those issues of the heart? I I think first one is if we're holding on to resentment, bitterness, that's going to greatly affect our perception of our spouse. Another one is our spouse is doing something that bothers us, is hurting us, and we stuff it inside, and we don't talk about it. It begins to take its toll. It's inevitable. I'm I'm just amazed at how many times couples don't share how they feel, uh, and it lets it build up. and pretty, That's why you hear sometimes about couples who get divorced, and that one spouse will say, "It's usually the husband." He said, "I never knew anything was wrong." And the wife will say, well, no, I didn't hear, I didn't say anything, but he should have known. And it's like, man, we should be talking. Maybe we've allowed seeds of unforgiveness to take place that we need to deal with. Perhaps there's sex, sexual history from previous relationships or things that have happened to us that get in the way and have created a negative impact that Maybe we need to take some time to talk about, work through, get some help with. That comes up. Or maybe we have been playing what we call the comparison game. That is, we're holding our spouse up to a measuring stick of someone or something else that we think they ought to be. And we're disappointed in how our spouse measures up. And it causes us to have a negative attitude toward them. My point is, is search your heart just to say, what is influencing the way that I see myself or or see my spouse? Uh, The last point here is from uh, um, infatuation to adoration. Um, It's not all about looks. It's, it's really about who Becky is on the inside that makes her beautiful. I think she's still attractive on the outside, by the way, or I'll hear I was about going to say. Or we'll be talking about this all afternoon. Uh, but but uh, you know what? Uh, she's become more and more beautiful as, as a woman, as a wife, and uh, especially on the inside. And, you know, we can change on the outside, but um, I wouldn't trade her for anyone because of who she is on the inside. And so how do we view our spouse um, and uh, what an impact does that have? What?
2: Did you want to talk about illness and how that affects?
1: Do we have time?
2: Two minutes.
1: Um, so let me uh, bring something up. Um, This probably applies more to some of you who are older, um, but in 19, uh, or 19, in 2013, I had, my, I had a heart attack, had quadruple heart bypass as a result, and um, that uh, has had an impact on um, our sexual relationship, uh, my ability to perform, And then um, the last two years, um, two years ago I had kidney cancer, had my kidney removed, and then last year I had uh, prostate cancer and had my prostate removed. And um, what I'm saying is those things have significantly affected our sexual relationship. And um, those are things we don't have much control over. And, what I'm, and I'm sharing this and being vulnerable because um, sometimes there's things that will affect our ability to perform that we need to talk about. And Becky and I have had to have some long talks about how that affects our relationship. Um, I never dreamt I would be at a place where I could not perform sexually Uh, That was a pretty important part of our relationship. But um, I I would just simply say that um, it's important to talk about it. I I think it's important to um, uh, do some reading or talk to someone. um, I don't know. Do you want to say something or more?
2: Well, we did say that if we'd known... At our age, that we wouldn't have it, we would have done it a lot more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a- amen to that.
2: <laughs> so, you know, I, I tell my daughters, I tell my daughter-in-law, you know, take advantage of being young and loving on each other because you never know when you might not have it. So this is a good place to practice.
1: <laughs> Dude. You went farther than I would, but. <laughs> Whether we're talking about our image and what can make all kinds of excuses for it. Well, yeah, I think I hear you. Um, I, I think it helps you begin to realize there's more to your relationship than just sex. And and not, not that our relationship was totally based on sex, but it was on, um, but now we realize it is very much and so uh, it is deeper Um, and and truthfully I struggled for a while because I I can't perform and I can't be the you know not not only my needs but also meeting her needs so um, um, you, you have to really do some heart searching and what is the basis? If, if your relationship is based purely on sex and how much you get and when you don't get it, how you act, I would say then you need to do some hard searching because there's a lot more to it. And if you lost it... Um, we'll we're, we're, um, say this real quick. <clears throat> because of my prostate cancer, there's support groups on Facebook about uh, those where the husbands have prostate cancer, and and they can't perform. And and, uh, they have one for wives, too. And one of the ones, some of the women complain about, uh, the husbands can't meet their sexual needs, and they're all angry and upset about it. The poor guy can't do anything about it. But they base their relationship on the sex. And, um, yeah. I
2: mean, the vows, you know, for better you know, for better or worse, in sickness and in health. And so, you know, you learn to love each other in spite of it. And, and
0: keep yeah.
1: along.
0: What you have just heard is a podcast from Bridge to Life Ministries from their 2019 Couples Weekend. The focus has been prioritizing your marriage, and you have heard session number one. Sessions two, three, and four will be broken down into the rooms in our marriage relationships, looking to our hearts. Be sure and listen next week to this podcast from the Couples Weekend of Bridge to Life Ministries with Don and Becky Smith. If you'd like more information, you can go to bridgetolife.org.